fantasy football advice and strategy from two of the top minds in the game. You're listening to the pre-snap podcast presented by LineStar. It's time to lock it in and win. Here are your hosts, Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P, and welcome to the Line Star pre-snap DFS podcast. You're listening to me and Michael Rathburn. We are breaking everything down for you. NFL Week 2 DFS style. It was a good week one. We got a whole lot of things right. We were right on some fades. We were right on some of our picks, our stacks. Did some good work, I'd say. Overall, Mr. Rathburn, I'd say uh, pretty, pretty decent week one for the show. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't get any hate mail, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's always good. That's yeah. always good. no nasty letters, which is asking a lot. Yeah, no uh, fu. I took I took yeah. this player, and they didn't. You know, the the difficult thing is um, Fournette injury hurt some guys. Yeah, hurt Alex, me in a couple. You know, of Alex Collins game script, but look, a lot of the chalk hit. You know, Kamara, Connor were staples, uh, and they hit. They were in great spots, and look. You have to think that chalk is going to hit because the value in week one and the salaries, it's just there. So now we've got some salary adjustments. Now, as I mentioned in the preseason, you have to wait three or four weeks for these players' salaries to normalize versus production. So you're still going to get a bargain on a James Conner. And for people to cry about it, it's stupid because everybody would cry if a player had one good week and his salary got jacked up and then everybody would complain and say, Oh, why did his salary get jacked up? He only played one game. He had one good game. So it's, it's pointless. It's pointless to cry about the salaries. It is what it is. And so look, you get James Conner again this week and he's probably going to be an autoplay. It doesn't mean that you have to play him in tournaments. Like we said, Right. If you want to have them 75%, that's fine. If you want to have them 25%, that's fine. I would advise you not to go zero, and I advise you not to go 100. I got to say, for me, I think last week was everything that could have broken right for him did. That That's just personally my take on it. I think that was the max ceiling expectation of what you can get out of James Conner. And I think repeating it week to week when you're looking this week at home, to me, this game with Pittsburgh, like it just absolutely reeks of the passing game to me when you watch the Kansas City secondary give up so many passing yards and it could have been far worse had anybody anybody for the chargers been able to hold on to a damn football that there would have been even bigger stats potentially put up in that game so to me you know connor you could still roll with again we were more on the uh less is more with connor and look it ended up going the other way and, and connor had a great game that's fine there's certainly more ways you know for net the injury that's always something you have to build into your mindset with Fournette. i think every week the the Ankle issues that plagued him his entire career. This was a hamstring this week. He looks like he's going to play, but still, we've also got some stack corrections, or should I say, not stack correction, but salary corrections over with Tyreek Hill as well. You also had some players coming off some Monday night games too, like Jared Cook and Quincy Anunwa, who are now in the psyche for everybody. And I'll tell you what, Anunwa is the guy for me I want to talk about real fast because. There's a guy two years ago that was a, a real part of that Jets offense, even though the offense was sad. Right. And I feel like everybody just forgot about him. And every deep league I, I'm in season long, I own a Nunwa shares. And this was like a no-brainer to me. I don't understand. Why is everybody just have such a short-term memory, Raph? 
uh, because that's the way fantasy sports works. It's, yeah, but you know what? They have a long-term memory when it comes to Josh Gordon being good like six years ago. You know what I mean? Like well, can, can can we he's not an internet darling. He's not a Twitter darling. So. Oh, well, that's, you know, you would understand that because you're an internet darling. So, yeah. You so, know. yeah. Uh, but yeah, look, Sunday and Sunday night, Monday night games. Remember that these players' salaries do not have week one perform the previous week performance into uh, their price. So you could see over ownership on some guys, but it does provide value. Uh, Jared Cook, Quincy Anunua are two guys that had pretty big, pretty big, big prime time games and uh, they're still very cheap. So um, my advice to you is those become cash plays and maybe not necessarily GPP plays hundred percent. Again, I don't believe in being like, I don't believe in like fading a guy a hundred percent because you think he's going to be heavily owned. I think that's a mistake. Players are heavily owned for a reason. It's about where are you with the field? Are you under? Are you over? You don't want to be with and you don't want to be without. So that would be my take. Uh, there's a lot of takes on ownership these days. That's mine. I'm done with it. <laughs> well, all right. What's your tip to for a good rule of thumb when you're talking about you know, having a cash game lineup and throwing it into a tournament? Is that something you do as a one-off? I know a lot of folks in the industry like to talk about that. How do you feel about it? Absolutely. So here's the deal. Let's say the chalk hits and your cash lineup is chalk and you're in a 200 man 50 50 and that lineup comes in like the top five. Well, guess what? You just won as much money as the guy that finished a hundredth. Yeah. But frustrating. Right. So to hedge, what you want to do is put it in at least one line, one tournament because, and, and don't put it in a hundred, hundred thousand man contest with 150 multiple entries. Like don't be stupid. Put it in a contest where it's, you know, look, if you're a $1 to $10 player, put it in a $5. And I don't even consider this a GPP because I think that's why the cash lineup works. Look, anything that's like 100, 200, 500, you know, anything that's under 1,000 or 500 or less, look, if that lineup hits in the top five, you're going to win 25, you know, 20 to 25 times back on your money. And then it's going to really pay off, but only do it one time. Don't go crazy with it. Just make sure you at least put it in there because you don't want to ruin your bankroll by going off the, the reservation, so to speak. Have a plan. A plan is just make sure you get it in a small field GPP with single entry. Give that lineup a chance to climb up the leaderboard. And like I said, if it hits in the top five, you're going to be happy. Yeah. And, and you know what we talked about last week too, the chalk is the chalk sometimes because it's right. Doesn't make it the wrong thing just because it might be the popular idea too. So, and that's kind of that same idea that that goes back to, if you have a cash game lineup, you really like that. It's not a bad idea to do exactly what Rath is saying. I know I like to do it from time to time and I've had success doing that. And the other thing too, that I want to drive home and I kind of touched on it when I was just talking about Kansas city and previewing that a little bit is more than the box score understanding. And you pointed out to, you know, to go and watch the recaps of the games on NFL network. If you can, don't just rely on the stat sheets because you didn't see the Derrick Henry run that got called back. You didn't see necessarily in the box score, the, the passes that got dropped uh, for the chargers that should have been touchdowns and multiple, multiple yard, big plays. And there's a lot more going on and there's a lot of overreactions due to week one, and we're going to digest all that and help you out and figure out what's for real, what's fake, and what you should be putting your money on. You're listening to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. Joe and Rath will be right back right after this. 
The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by LineStar. Dominate DFS with the world's only patented lineup optimizer. Visit LineStarApp.com now and start your free trial. All right, welcome back, everybody, to pre-snap. It's Joe and Raph. So let's talk about week two. Here we are, week one in the books. Overall, not a completely weird week one. It wasn't too awkward, not a lot of bizarre things outside of Mr. You know Fitzpatrick going off and you know one or two other small things. Not as insane as some other week ones I remember in recent memory. But that being said, Raph, how would you look to approach overall strategy going forward in week two of the season? Yeah, so what you want to do is uh... – take note of the player pool at each position, take note which players have bad matchups, which players play are in the, the Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, because they're not in the player pool. Who's dealing with an injury? Uh, what teams are dealing with injuries? And how does that impact the performance up or down? Once you start figuring out the players that you don't like, you can focus on the players that you do like. And so when I started going through the positions this week, the, we talked about quarterback. And I started feeling like the guys at the top just are in difficult matchups, have an injury or dealing with offensive line issues. And so there were just not a lot of players in the quarterback pool that I liked at the top. So what that told me was uh, I'm going to start looking at the bottom. I'm going to look at the middle, uh, especially on DraftKings. I like going to the bottom. And so I think there's some good guys at the bottom. I do think there's a couple of guys up top that you can certainly use. And we'll talk about that. But for the most part, you've got a lot of players at the top of the quarterback pool that have difficult matchups or injuries. So I think this is a week where you can certainly drop down and be fine. Is there one guy that you would go up for if you're going to go? Yeah, we'll talk about that when we hit the quarterback. Oh, look at you. You tease, you tease. I guess everyone will have to keep listening to the show. All right. On the running back side, there's definitely some chalk. You know, we mentioned Connor already, uh, Kamara coming off a huge week, and Todd Gurley who has a fantastic matchup. All those guys look good. Are these guys tournament plays as well as cash game, or do you have a certain feeling about either way with the chalk at running back this week? Yeah, so Kamara and Gurley are certainly at the top. We're looking at projected ownership of 25 30%. Uh, I think that a mistake would be putting them both into a tournament lineup. That's certainly not something that you want to do from a lineup construction standpoint. It's probably going to be impossible. Uh, and from a ownership field perspective, you're not going to have um, any edge really. So uh, it's pretty much going Camara Connor, girly Connor is what I think. And then as far as the flex goes, I think there's a lot of depth at the running back position this week and we'll talk about it. But I think that certainly my, my philosophy especially in this day and age is always go with a running back in the flex. Um, of course, everybody will tell you put the most expensive player in the flex in case something happens. So if you want to put the $9,000 Camara in your flex, that's fine. But uh, yeah, I think um, you want to run three running backs these days and you want to, it's all about touches and we'll talk about that position. A lot like, yeah, a lot like last week is, although I do like, I do like Brown at the top for the wide receiver pool. I've got no problem going mid tier, but I actually like a lot of the value at the wide receiver position. So I think if you do go up at the running back position, there is value in the, at the wide receiver position and even at the tight end position, which I would say even better because I don't like Gronk this week. I'm not necessarily as high on Kelsey and Ertz as well. And so Olsen and Walker are out. 
and this tight end pool has just got completely screwed up. So I think, well, which means there's discounts, which means yep. there's guys who might hit, and there's definitely some options there. We were great with tight end last week. I think we we pretty much nailed it. And of course, it was a week to Gronk, and we did. Uh, looking at cash game lineup construction this week, do you pay up for the the guys like Kamara and Gurley in the same lineup? And if and if so, like, is there any point in time where I know you said don't do that, but why why wouldn't you do that if Let's say you found a lot of value at tight end. Let's say you found a lot of uh, value elsewhere at wide receiver with the mid-tier guys. Why is that a bad idea for the folks listening who might think that it's a good one? It leaves you too thin at the wide receiver position because you want to bank floor. And so it's very difficult in cash to just go with three straight value wide receivers. You're really going to put yourself in a tough spot. Look at Keelan Cole last week, and that would be a prime example of why. Yeah, if you had him in there and you had Kamara and you had Connor, uh, you were probably fine if you had Ravens defense as well. But if you had Saints defense, then you were screwed. So it's it's one of those things where uh, I wouldn't be opposed to at least having one, Kamara and Gurley. But looking at other options, and I would tell you, maybe not necessarily to go all value with your RB2 and your flex. Look at a guy like McCaffrey, who we'll get into, you know, we'll get into that. Look at a guy who's going to have a bankable floor because McCaffrey, you know, Olsen's out. And also the Falcons have two key injuries and they give up a lot of pass uh, catches to running back. So for me, even if you came off of Kamara and Gurley, which I know sounds a little bit crazy because typically you just want to gravitate to the ownership. But I think that there's a way in cash where you can get away with not having Kamara and Gurley. You can go McCaffrey, Connor, and then probably an Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And so I think that's one of the things that we want to kind of discuss a little bit further is not just giving you player picks, but giving you game theory behind lineup construction and how you want to build your lineups. And I think that that's more important because everybody's given out picks, but as far as lineup construction goes, uh, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, at least it gets the juices flowing and it gets you thinking. But I think it's very difficult to do Kamara and Gurley. I just didn't like how it ended up. And there's no cheap defenses this week that I'm in love with. Like last week, you could, you could punt defense last week and go Cleveland Browns and it paid off. There's nothing like that this week. So uh that that's kind of my theory about how you want to approach rb and cash this week and the book's been out on the falcons defense for a long time because they've struggled for two years now with running backs who can catch the ball in the backfield is the first thing we talked about today before the show was talking about how much we both like mccaffrey now that might mean the ownership's a little higher but that's not necessarily again a bad thing uh defense wise too uh, not a lot of lower rung surprise potential defense is really popping out. So this is another week where we want to pay up for defense rep. Yeah. I don't, I don't see a lot that sticks out to me. Um, yeah. You could certainly drop down with a team like maybe Dallas who's at home favored low total with Eli Manning, you know, potentially, you know, a mistake quarterback, but I think that paying up, you're going to have to find a way to pay up. All right, Vegas lines, and obviously last week there were some high totals potentially on the board. I don't think anybody quite saw the the total <laughs> for the Tampa Bay game coming on that side. That was just a, a staggering thing. So if you had any Mike Evans uh, shares, certainly it was a good day for you. If somehow somebody found Ryan Fitzpatrick in their lineup, good for you as well. But this week, what are we looking at in terms of the lines that matter for us when we're making DFS lineups? 
Yeah, so well, when we look at Vegas lines, we want to look at movement, but we also want to look at potential angles that could impact our DFS uh, selection. So one of the things that we talked about last week to be mindful of is a West Coast team going east for a 1 o'clock start. The Chargers are a seven-point favorite against the Bills. Everybody saw how bad the Bills looked last week. The Chargers defense didn't look very good. And, and Bosa's, Joey Bosa's out, yeah. Right, and we did talk about, we did talk about yeah. that briefly. Uh, and we saw how that played out. Um, so, you know, I think that I think that people are going to be on the Chargers, and I can certainly understand why. And look, they could very easily go across and, and put up a thirty-one or a thirty-four and win thirty-four ten. I think the bill. I just don't. The Bills are not going to score. I know that, regardless of how bad the Chargers defense was last week, the Bills are going to have a very difficult time scoring offense in this game. Uh, would their defense be able to score a, a touchdown? It wouldn't shock me if there's a special team or, you know, something like that. But I'm just very leery about the West Coast team going east. It's also not a division game. There may not be a lot of motivation. Could the Chargers come out flat? I certainly could see it. And uh, that would be disappointing, dude. I mean, really, because you just you just came off losing a home game yeah. against a division rival. That's that's not a good look to start the year. That's a game they should have won. Uh, look, and no matter what you might think of a Holmes, he's very talented, but you should win that game. And they had it literally in their hands and let it slip through over and over again. And by, you know, I mean, Benjamin, I mean, Tyrell Williams, a lot of those guys. But to me, I think the Chargers need a little fire lit under. And, you know, you got to go there and you got to show out a little bit. I know it's Buffalo but you need to take a little anger with you into that game. You've also got some games, uh, some teams, I should say, coming off 10 days rest with the Falcons and the Eagles. Foles did not look good out of the gate there. So I think there's definitely some concern. And look, let's be frank too. Foles had a lot of games where he looked mediocre. He had a, a very good Super Bowl. I'm not going to take that away from him, but let's not make Foles into Wentz anytime soon. The Falcons also the other team in that 10 days rest. So could be a little flat to another reason. And Matt Ryan, historically has not played well in that building wrath since they have moved to that spot. Not a good QBR for him over there. You've got the teams on the short week too, more than usual. You got four teams instead of two jets and lions on the road, uh, Rams and Raiders also at home jets at home as well. Now let's talk about some of the lines that have moved so far in wrath. Take me through those that you think are important for us to take notice of. Yeah. So you got to remember that week two is the biggest week of overreaction. So you're going to have some line moves on teams that just got destroyed in week one and everybody thinks are are bad. Um, The saints went from eight to 10 and they're facing the Browns. Now the thing about that is the Browns coming off a very emotional game, a division game now go on the road and play a non-conference game against the team like the saints that clearly didn't show up last week on defense and now is, is lost a home game in their division. The saints are, there are going to be a pissed off bunch. Uh, the total, the total has gone up two points and the side has gone up two points. General theory here is the saints are going to smash the Browns. I certainly am on that contention and I could certainly see a game that is 41 to 20 uh, or 38 to 20, but I think the Saints are going to be pretty motivated this week and pissed off. Um, the Chiefs Steelers total has gone from 50 to 53. I certainly feel that's justified, although I am much more on the Steelers coming off of a, a basically what is considered a loss. Uh, you know, it's huge. And, and, both both teams, too. I mean, that, yeah, that's a yeah, bad deal. Yeah. That tie is going to come back and haunt Pittsburgh in that division. Yeah. 
and the Saints, another team losing at home in a game they should have absolutely won. After a year of all of us finally giving in and realizing, hey, this Saints defense has really remade itself, they just got absolutely their doors blown off, dude. That was shocking, absolutely shocking to me. Yeah, the Jets open pick. They're now minus three. Again, that's based off of the blowout on Monday night. Might be a little bit of overreaction, but I'm not in love with that game, although I do like Inunua based on the value that we're getting. Look, the Rams, couple things here. Rams blew out Oakland in the second half and went from minus 10.5 to minus 13.5. A lot of that was just how putrid Arizona looked last week. They had the second-worst offensive performance. They just were not on the field at all. Uh, Bradford looked horrible. Bradford, some of Bradford's passes were 10, 20 yards off of the wide receiver. They were horrible. And there's a lot of concern there about Arizona. And I think that number is inflated. I still think Arizona's got some talent, and it wouldn't shock me if they hang around. Well, if you give up 180 rushing yards, Raph. That's that game is not I don't think that game is necessarily going to be like 31 17. I think the game could be more like 27 13. Uh, or I, mean, I know that doesn't sound like a. I just think that game is uh, I think it's primed to go under. And I don't know if the Rams are going to necessarily blow them out coming off a of Monday night. I think uh, it could be a lot of girly and it could be a, just they grind the heck out of Arizona. Arizona might score 10 and maybe the Rams score 27, but I think the under is in play. And then the Niners open three at home against Detroit. They're now all the way up to six. Mm. And again, we're seeing the impact of Monday night football on the line as the Jets line move three, the Niners line move three. I do like the Niners this week. I think they're in a really good spot. I thought the Niners and the Giants, to me, in losses, played the best out of the two teams I saw play last week. Both the Giants and Niners could have won those games in very difficult matchups. They just had uh, things go, you know, things go wrong in one in one instance. But I like what the I like the Niners coming home, and I think that uh, Garoppolo is in play. Yeah, I agree with you there too. I mean, it was a tall order to ask Garoppolo and that group to go in, especially after losing McKinnon there at the end of the preseason, to go into Minnesota against that defense and be good. And, and they were respectable in that game, but it was going to be just a tough spot for him. I agree fantasy-wise, much better now. I mean, certainly what you've seen too, you've also heard the rumblings out of Detroit that apparently there's some locker room nonsense already with Patricia and some of the players. So that's not a good scene either. It's not something in week one you want to be and arguing. The, and the Jets saying that they knew what play was coming. Yeah, well, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah. you know, and, and I think it's asking a lot, too, of Darnold to, you know, go home and all of a sudden, you know, be yeah, that's a little pressure, too. I think, to me, the Miami is the play there. Um, and I like Stills this week, but yeah. I think Miami wins that game. I think there's too much. And we like Stills last week, too, and Stills came through, so he had the touchdown in that game. All right, we already talked about last week as well in terms of injuries, the Panthers and the Cowboys, those offensive lines how banged up they were. And guess what? It was a low scoring game, 16 to eight, certainly not a, uh, an impressive debut for the Cowboys. They've got the giants this week. So in terms of that game, I was just talking about that on my podcast on the black book show. That is a, that's a game that I can see just going either way. I have no gut feeling about that. As good as the giants looked at times against Jacksonville, we all know these division games. Sometimes you could completely take a coin and flip it. And then all of a sudden something strange happens. Like all of a sudden you could get the Dallas Cowboys in a passing game. <laughs> you know, has looked terrible so far, but it might just all of a sudden show up or Elliot shows up because of 
you know, the heat of it's a Sunday night primetime division game matchup. Um, but, you know, in terms of other injuries, what else do you see this week that's going to enter into it that we should be looking to take advantage of? Yeah, look, um, <clears throat> I, I said before the season that I, I, I bet the under in every Dallas game. And we saw what happened in week one. And I'm telling you, it's I don't see it changing. So I'm not really on the Giants this week at all. Uh, I wouldn't be on anybody from that game. I just don't think that there's going to be any points the way that Dallas is going to play. Uh, we talked about injuries last week and what impact that's going to have. And I think the number one storyline coming out of this week is what we already talked about with Christian McCaffrey going against the Falcons. And, you know, Funchess without Olsen is certainly somebody to look at. Uh, but McCaffrey, to me, is a bankable guy, especially on DraftKings with the PPR, with, with the 7K salary. I think you just bank those points, and you don't worry so much about the scoring. Now, I didn't like McCaffrey last week, and I may have been the only one. I just didn't think he was going to score a touchdown. I just, I think this week though, it may not be that much better. I don't think that this game, it's a 44 and a half total. Uh, You were looking at a 24, 20 type of game. It wouldn't shock me if this game is under and goes 20 to 17. So again, not a lot of touchdown upside in the game, but I do think McCaffrey gets in the end zone this week. And I think that's going to be the difference. I think he gets eight to 10 receptions. Let's hope that he gets the 100-yard bonus, and I do think that he's in line for a big game. So the Falcons' injuries definitely influence me on McCaffrey. Uh, again, just be aware that Bosa is out. It may not mean that much this week, but moving forward, certainly, you know, that, that's a huge injury. The one thing I will tell you is uh, from watching all of the games last week, uh, I look at offensive lines, and there was two teams that had major issues coming in, and that was the Texans and the Vikings, and they still have issues. And the Texans lost another player. The Vikings didn't look good. I'm very concerned about the Texans and the Vikings offensive lines. I may back off of Cousins, and I'm definitely going to back off Watson until I see something change. Do you think there's going to be overreaction to Watson after that first game against the Patriots? I know a little bit of Russ. I know last year he went in there, and he was very good against the Patriots. But, you know, he's still coming off that injury. This is a, a much better matchup, yet still a road game. Do you give him any sort of bounce back potential too? Because I feel like everyone's going to be off him after this week one. I actually think the opposite. I think, really? I think it's going to be, so I, here's what I think is going to happen. All right. I think the sharp players are going to be on him because they think everyone's going to be off him. The problem is, is if Wolf, Will Fuller is still not 100% and we don't know what's going to happen, they, they can't move the ball. Uh, they're going to have to rely on Lamar Miller in the run game. Watson was running for his life the entire game. The Patriots defense is not that good. Watson was under pressure and under duress most of the game. He didn't have anybody to throw to because, again, like we talked about last week, the Patriots took away Hopkins. Watson had no idea what to do. He didn't go to Ryan Griffin. He couldn't go to secondary receivers because they're not any good. And it was a lot of Lamar Miller. That game was a lot closer than what, it, what the score indicated. That comes again with watching the game tape. That also comes with the way the Patriots play. The, the Patriots yes. defense. They slept, block. they slept block through the game. They, yeah. they had no sense of urgency to put a stake in them. And they just walked out of there with a win. Yeah. So they they contain them. It's like the, uh, it's like the boxer who lets you kind of, you know, get tired of throwing punches and they just kind of take it and take it and take it. And next thing you know, they win on points. It's that kind of thing. You know, they land yeah. the punches when they count and they might not. They, the Patriots are the team that knocks you down but they'll take more punches throughout the game necessarily. They just, they bend, they don't break. That's just how 
Bill Belichick and that team has done it for the last 20 years, basically. And, you know, this was another example of that. We'll see what happens when they go to Jacksonville. I'm sure they're going to be fired up for that game for sure. That's certainly going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, now, besides us, who obviously we're amazing. We do great content. I want to thank everybody, too, for listening in week one. We got a lot of positive stuff. We appreciate that. But also, we want you to go check out on the Line Star app and on the website, Ryan Humphrey's week two DFS write-up. He nailed a ton of picks in week one. Uh, he gives you ratings for the cash and GPP for each pick. Uh, and it goes out in a newsletter via email, so you can get signed up for that. But again, you can go over to the projections page in the Line Star app and the website at Nitro DFS and follow Ryan and uh, check out Ryan Humphrey's week two DFS write-up. We're going to hit a break when Rath and I come back. We're going to talk about strategy for position. You're listening to the pre-snap right here on the Line Star app. The pre-snap podcast is sponsored by TrackWiz. The ultimate horse racing betting companion is now available in the App Store and Google Play. Download now using promo code PRESNAP23 to get your first seven days completely free without a credit card and start betting like a pro. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Line Star app's pre-snap show. It's Joe Pizzapia right here and the fantasy wrath, Michael Rathburn. Let's start with quarterback. And uh, we already touched on, you know, paying up for Breeze if you're going to pay for somebody. But there's some other quarterbacks here worth discussing. And I'd like to start with Big Ben because, to me, if it's a, if it's a week where you want Antonio Brown, it's a, a player where you know he's historically, the last three years or so, been better at home. It's certainly a good matchup on paper with a secondary that's very weak in Kansas City. Uh, Big Ben, is he a cash game guy or a GPP guy for you? I don't know if I could ever trust Big Ben in cash, but certainly in GPP, you can fire him up. Like you said, at home, monster total, and defense that certainly gave up a ton of passing yards to Rivers last week. So the thing about Ben is this, he can, and he's coming off a bad game, which usually is an indication that he'll come back the next week and throw five touchdowns. So He's got that upside. There's not many players at the quarterback position where you can look at and say, this guy can throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. Ben's one of them. So for me, uh, he is the number one guy that I would want to have in tournaments. All right. What about Jimmy G cash or GPP or both for him? I think both from the perspective of this, uh, the ownership doesn't look like it's going to be huge. And like I said earlier, spending down at the quarterback position does allow you to pay up at the running back spot. So if you want to get a little diversification, you can go with Jimmy. I think he's going to be in a spot coming home off of a tough matchup. Uh, like I said, I don't think he played all that bad last week against one of the best defenses at home in the NFL. And I thought he hung, he hung in there and we saw this Lions defense I think that they're in a really bad spot. I don't think it's overreaction. And I do think that the Niners defense, while they did play well last week in Minnesota, I think Minnesota's offensive line definitely was exposed. But I'm expecting that the Lions are going to have to throw a lot too. So I think that it's going to be a high-scoring game. I like Garoppolo. I love the price tag. And again, I'm looking at upside of 300 yards passing, multiple touchdowns. And so Garoppolo certainly is in play for me. And I think you can play them both in cash and tournaments. Now rivers is also in play for you for both. But I guess my question about that is, is there any concern with the idea of them getting up to a lead and then kind of just, you know, easing off? Or do you think after last week, easing off is not an option? 
The thing about Rivers is this, is he usually has two types of box scores. Is He's a very consistent quarterback, and he's only had bad games typically against Denver. And so when you go back and you look at Rivers over the last three years, he's only had a handful of bad games. So that's why I'm more in line to take him in cash. Uh, I don't mind him in tournaments because the upside is there, and he does have a tendency of throwing the ball. Now, you're right, if they get a big lead, but we kind of saw that with Flacco last week. The way that they attacked the Bills is Flacco just kept throwing. So if that might be the case where the Chargers just say, look, we're going to dump off to Eckler, we're going to dump off to Keenan Allen, we're going to dump off to Gordon. Uh, you know, I don't think Gates is going to be much of a factor, but it, it, Gates looks like he was, a, uh, I don't know, from a, <laughs> from a perspective of being in game shape, not necessarily the most fit version of Antonio Gates we've seen in the uniform. I would say. Yeah. And that's, to be, <laughs> that's certainly to be expected, but you know, the narrative on rivers is this, is that he typically has enough passing volume. If he doesn't have touchdowns to get the 300 yards, get the bonus and hit value. But if he does have a game where he, let's say he throws like 240, he's probably going to have three touchdowns. So you're going to get the, the, the value. I'm not sold on the ceiling for rivers this week. So I would lean to him more in cash than in tournaments, but he's, he's a bankable guy. I mean, he's one of the safest guys. And again, I'm not thrilled with the road game. You know, again, if they don't come in motivated, if he, if he has a couple of picks early on, uh, but I just think that it's very hard for him not to hit the floor that you need in cash. So I'd probably lean more towards there. And then as far as a flyer goes, I think Tyrod, I know that the Saints defense got caught sleeping last week, but it's a very high total again. And if Tyrod has to throw the ball uh, at his price, he's very attractive. I certainly am not going to predict the Fitz 48 point performance. But <laughs> if you if, did, I would, I would start to worry. I mean, we've got a lot of, he's, he's the thing you got to like about Taylor is the rushing. And if they're down and they got third and long and he's got to run, and he gets a rushing touchdown. If he gets 50 yards rushing and a touchdown, that's 11. And all he has to do is throw for 225 and one touchdown. And he, get, and he gets his value. That's a good point. I mean, I think that Saints defense is going to get their ass kicked this week in practice after what happened. And I think it's going to come out. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they actually knocked him out of this game. That's how fired up they might be. But I get what you're saying. If you're talking about garbage time run, garbage time throws, and trying to keep pace with Drew Brees, which is not an easy thing to do in that building. I get where you're coming from. It's a little scary. How would you do that? Would you do that in like one lineup kind of thing? As like oh, a yeah, certainly, yeah. One one lineup. And I just then, want everybody to know so they know how to, because they might yeah, hear that. No, that's great. Awesome. That's I'm going to run that through. Lineup construction with Tyrod would be something for me. Let's say I, I know that most lineups are going to have Kamara or Gurley, but not both. Can I squeeze... Kamara Gurley with some value wide receivers and James Connor. And then maybe uh, if I, I don't think you can make it work, but I may want to go Michael Thomas or Kamara and have leverage in the game. Nice. So, you know, like I said, if I'm going, if I'm going Kamara with, I probably would go about it with Kamara, Tyrod and Landry. And then I would look to fill in value elsewhere. But if I want exposure to the game, that would be the direction I would go because I'm going to want to spend up at running back and Camara would be the guy because if I think there's going to be 60 points in the game, that's where I'm going to want to take it. All right. We nailed the fades last week in quarterback. Who's the fade this week? Number one fade for me is Cam Newton. I want no part of Cam Newton in Atlanta. They have absolutely held him in check 
for the last three years, especially in Atlanta. The guy has basically had 14, 14, 15 uh, fantasy points. I don't like the fact that Olsen, uh, I think they're coming off. Of the, the Atlanta's got 10 days to prepare. It's a division game. I do not like the spot for Cam Newton at all this week. Three other guys I'm not on. Uh, look, Brady matchup, Rogers injury, and I'm fading Mahomes. Uh, I think that, look, Mahomes had a very low completion rate last week. I think everyone's going to fall in love with the high total, Agreed. and they're going to fall in love with with Mahomes and Hill. He made but a I lot think, of big plays at big moments. Yeah, I think I think this is a trap spot, and I think that Mahomes is a guy that I'm not going to be on this week. And I think the Steelers are going to just put a ton of points up. It wouldn't shock me if the Steelers get into the 40s and maybe the Chiefs are 17 to 20. All right. We talked a lot about the chalk guys already at running back. Talked about Kamara, Gurley, Connor, and how to kind of utilize those uh, guys. But, you know, I want to talk about Adrian Peterson, who had a very good game. Obviously, the matchup uh, tended well to him, but he's got a good matchup this week, too, against Indianapolis. I mean, that Colts defense is far from good, far, far from good. And to me, this is another spot where I'm sure there's a lot of people who still will refuse to buy into Peterson. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm saying matchups going to dictate this. And I don't see any reason why at home that Washington can't put up points on this board again. And that Peterson can't be a, a big part of that and is a good return on investment. Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to have a criteria for how you go about picking players in DFS. So some of the criteria that I look at, especially when I'm looking at mid tier or value running back is I want home favorite and I want a good high total, which is what we have. I'm not, I'm okay. If it's a 42, that's fine. Uh, Cause it means that probably more runs than passes, but Peterson checks a lot of the boxes. He is very cheap still. He is going to get a good workload and he even caught some passes last week. And I like, I just like where they're going. They don't have any big time wide receivers at this point. Uh, and look, Chris Thompson kind of helps Adrian Peterson as well. So I, and, and Alex Smith is a very efficient quarterback that doesn't make mistakes. So I would ride the Peterson train again this week against that Indianapolis defense. Joe Mixon looked fantastic. And so I love Peterson, whether in cash games or GPP. Uh, again, if you're paying up at a couple of spots at running back and receiver, you have to save value. You have to save salary somewhere. So Peterson is a spot. And I think James White to me yep. is, is awesome because listen, Jacksonville's defense, I don't see any way that Dorsett and Hogan and Gronk really get a lot in this game. They completely shut down. Now, Beckham had played well and had some pass interference penalties on him, but he didn't have a monster breakout game. And it's really difficult to do anything. And nobody on the Patriots. I mean, Gronk is Gronk, but nobody in the wide receiver core is anywhere near the talent of Odell Beckham. No, I can see a ton of dump-off passes to James White this week. It doesn't sound like Michelle is going to play. Rex I think Burkhead's in concussion protocol. Yeah, this lines up. And look, if they got to rely on James White to carry the ball eight to ten times, I think they'll do it. And uh, I love him as a flex value play, especially on DraftKings. Yeah, I, I love White too because I'm also looking at that pass rush of Jacksonville. And how do you how do you combat that if you're the Patriots? Well, yeah, you combat yeah, it by he quick. Could get, he could get double digit receptions. Uh, but that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a chance that he might catch ten balls. It's yep. it's not out of the realm of possibility. So on the DK side with the full PPR, but even on the FanDuel side with a half PPR, you know, James White is not 
you know, bereft of being able to find the end zone. And yeah, they're going to, he caught a touchdown last week and yeah. he, he, they're going to score touchdowns in this game. It's just a matter of if it's two or three, I'm thinking it's going to be more along like, like two. So if I had to put odds on the two players for the uh, Patriots, I would score a touchdown. It'd be Gronk and white and I'm not paying up for Gronk. So I'm paying down for white. All right. Let's go back to McCaffrey real quick too, because we talked about guys that we like in cash or GPP. Do you have a preference or is McCaffrey another one of these guys you go both ways in? No, for him, uh, I, I think the more I think about it, McCaffrey is cash game. Okay. Uh, again, because if I feel like that game is going to be lower scoring and there's not a potential for two, t- two touchdowns at a $7,000 price tag, he's not a guy that's going to get 100 yards rushing. So you'd have to hope that he gets 100 yards receiving, and that certainly can happen, but that's very hard to predict for a running back. So with no yardage bonus in play, and I don't think multiple touchdowns are in play, to me, he's a cash game guy and not a tournament guy. All right. As of right now, Fournette's due to play. But let's say we get some bad news as we get you know towards the weekend here on Friday or Saturday on Fournette. Is Yeldon in your sphere after what you saw last week? Yeah, I think so. And there's a couple of reasons is that their pass game is not very good. No. And Yeldon can handle the ball 18 to 20 times a game if necessary. And he's a pretty good receiving back. Uh, and he's a better player. Look, when he first came into the league, he wasn't very good. But here's the thing you got to remember. Jacksonville's offensive line wasn't very good. It's a much better offensive line now. And Yeldon has looked good when he's played. So I'm pretty confident if something happens in warmups and Fournette doesn't go, that Yeldon gets in there and can hit value and probably is not going to be heavily owned if it's a late type of situation. And also uh, we got Devontae Foreman who, you know, doesn't look, uh, excuse me, Devontae Freeman. My apologies there. I had Dante Foreman on my mind. Uh, no Devontae Freeman, most likely too. So what does that mean for Coleman too? Are you a Coleman guy? Cause I always have a hard time with Tevin Coleman. To me, he's always one of these guys that I don't know. I feel like he's better in theory than in practice more often than not. Yeah, I put him in there just because he may be in consideration if Freeman doesn't go, and it might mean that people really jump on him. I don't like the matchup, and I don't like the game. I don't think that this game is going to be more than 43 points if if, if 37, 38 at the most. I just don't see that game being played as a shootout, and so that would limit his upside, and um, that's kind of where I'm at with him. All right, now for second week in a row, you're fading Ezekiel Elliott for the same reasons I'm assuming as last week, and then now it looks like DJ's on your list to fade as well. Yeah, well, here's the thing is until this offensive line for Dallas gets healthy, it's very hard to think that Elliott is going to have the type of game that you need. So, look, he you got to get 100 yards and you got to get two touchdowns out of Elliott for him to really be worth considering. I don't see it in this spot. I don't. I mean, he's he would have to just get everything, and certainly it could happen. But I just but it's think what that, you're willing to pay for, too. I mean, it's, no, it's not, it, no, but in terms of like in terms of the salary, if we were seeing, let's say it was week six of the season and he had a stretch of lackluster games and the salary came down to the 74 range on FanDuel or something like that, then there might be some times where you might, you know, well, I'm tempted to buy in because there's that opportunity because of the talent but right now where he's priced. It's a, it's a tough sell. It is. And then with Johnson, what's tough is I was all in on David Johnson last week and they just never got the ball. Yeah. And now he's dealing with a potential back injury. Maybe he's not 100%. Also, Edmonds did get on the field some. I'm a little bit concerned. And look, they're a monster underdog. It's very hard to pay up at running back 
with a with a team that's a almost a two touchdown underdog. It's very hard for me to do that. I get why people are going to sit there and throw out the whole, well, he's a tournament play. That's the laziest thing that somebody can ever say. <laughs> like, oh, he's a tournament play. Why? Because no one owns him? That's ridiculous. You have to sit there and look at it historically and say, is there a situation where a 14-point underdog running back on the road has been able to provide value? And it's just not a situation that I want to play in. All right. We talked about Antonio Brown as one of the chalk wide receivers. Michael Thomas coming off uh, a Saints record-setting day to a fantastic amount of receptions for him. Would you go down to the Thomas well back-to-back here with his matchup against Cleveland? It certainly looks like a good one on paper. Look, here's the thing about Thomas. Uh, huge market share last week, and Ginn is not 100%. Meredith, who knows? Meredith didn't even play. They had to activate Austin Carr at 11 o'clock. And I don't know what the deal is with Traquan Smith. And clearly, Drew Brees doesn't trust anybody outside of Thomas and Kamara. He did throw some to Watson. He did throw some to Ginn. But it was obvious on every play. He was looking at Thomas, he was looking at Kamara, and that was it. Uh, so I have no problem. Now, the thing about it is Denzel Ward looked very impressive last week as a corner for the Browns. So that would be a situation where maybe he does lock up Thomas a little bit, but I still have to feel like the Saints offense is going to put up 40 points this week again. And that means that they're going to rack up yards. And just by osmosis, Thomas is going to get his. So I'm still fine with going Thomas. And um, as far as the upper tier chalk wide receivers this week. And you know what, Traquan, I was actually surprised. I thought he might get a little action after the really strong preseason. And, And you know what, if he does get locked up, Michael Thomas this week, and Traquan shows up a little bit, that would not shock me either. It might have just been you know, in the heat of the moment of the game and things like that, where things just got away from them. But Smith really showed that he belongs. And Meredith right now is looking like a potential bust this year with the Saints. All right, the mid-tier guys, last week we were on Emmanuel Sanders. He hit, he's a cash lock again for you this week, Breath. Yeah, even though the price went up, he's getting volume. And against this Oakland secondary, uh, he's about as bankable of a wide receiver as you're going to find. So lock him in. And we also locked in stills last week, so we're double dipping there as well, right? Yeah, tournament only on stills. He's a deep ball guy. He's okay. not he's not a volume, you know, catch by any means. But you know, again, stills did go up by about a thousand bucks. And so you're certainly paying a little bit more, but still he's still underpriced and I still like him. Now you also got Funches and Anunwa's cash game locks. Now Funches is what based on the the idea that Olsen's out and a noon wall based on just what you saw in week one or yeah, you think so that it's, Funches, are we overrating week one yeah. Funches is extremely cheap and his his opportunity now goes up without Olsen and the numbers show that he played very well without Olsen last year uh it, look you have to have a very strict criteria when you're dipping down on wide receiver and it's all about volume you, you want guys that are going to get targets so Funches' targets are going to go up, and even if he doesn't get a touchdown, he's still in play for 100 yards receiving with the three-point bonus. Anua dominated on Monday night, got a huge amount of targets, and again, his price wasn't adjusted, so you got to play him in cash. Uh, the other guy... In- well, in terms of volume, Landry's another guy, I think, undersung volume still. 
you know, had a hundred yards receiving last week, a ton of targets and probably will again, especially if you like Taylor, there's another one of those potential garbage time guys with Landry where the volume, you know, is going to be there as a base at least. Yeah, for sure. If you're playing Tyrod, I think you have to play Landry and then get a piece of the Saints offense on the other side, whether it's Kamara, whether it's Thomas. But uh, yeah, Landry for me is strictly a tournament play in a Saints stack or a Brown stack. All right, we've got some guys out on injury. So some other dudes are stepping up there. A lot of talk about Pettis this week, a lot of talk about Goodwin uh, and uh, Corey Davis. So take me through it. Who do you like in these or do you like all three? Well, if Deshaun doesn't go good, Godwin becomes the number two. And I think just based on price, you know, he's more of a floor play. Not sure I would go tournaments, but um, it seems like I've already locked up the cash game wide receivers. So um, more of a situation where if you just can't fit in one of these other guys and you got to drop down to Godwin, I got no problem doing it. Dante Pettis for me is if Marquis Goodwin is out, they did. I watched the game. And they did go to Pettis. So clearly they've drawn up plays for Pettis and Jimmy Garoppolo trust Pettis already. And he's a very explosive player. So Pettis for me is tournament only and only in a stack with Garoppolo. And the other guy is Corey Davis and Corey Davis had a ton of targets last week and it didn't necessarily result in fantasy production, but his ownership is going to be very low and his price tag is low. And he's a guy that does have potential of a hundred yards and multiple touchdowns. Even if he does 101 touchdown, that's fine. Uh, again, tournament play for me. And if you did want to happen to go four wide receivers and put one at flex, that would be the way to go. But I would tell you not to. Um, again, it just comes around multiple lineups and getting diversification. So, you know, if you're on stills and Galladay and you have a third or a fourth lineup, Davis would be the guy to look at. You know, with all the look, the signs all pointing that Goodwin's going to be out. And I feel like Pettis is kind of that over discussed sexy pick where I think the ownership's going to be too high for what he can really bring. And I understand what you're saying. There were some plays that looked like they were designed for him necessarily, but I don't know, man. I, I, there's just something about it where it just feels like, and you probably could talk about this too. There always seems to be these things every week that we're here in the NFL season where oh, we put the logic to this and it makes sense on paper, but you know, it's in practice. It's still question mark in terms of whether or not it's a good DFS investment. I don't know if I can get behind the Pettis one. I understand why people are going to be on it. I think more people are going to be on it than people realize. Let's talk about Galladay though. Cause that's another one you mentioned too. People saw what they saw on Monday night with Galladay. And now there's a lot of buzz about him. Last year, he was one of the guys who was most added week two of the 2017 season and season long are we seeing a repeat of just that early Kenny Galladay love and things just fade back to Jones and Tate, or is there something new here we should be looking at? Well, they're running a lot more three wide receiver sets. So he's on the field. So he's not touchdown dependent like he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. It's not injury dependent too. So uh, no, he's in play for me. Uh, upside is certainly there. And I like what I saw out of him. Uh, again, I think, you know, Stafford's going to have to throw quite a bit. Uh, Gall- Galladay for me is a receiver that I'm targeting with the Niners stack. So, you know, if I'm going Jimmy Garoppolo and I'm going Kittle or, and or Pettis, I'm going to want um, Galladay on the other side of that. And then I'm going to be able to spend up at some other spots. All right. Now, in terms of fading wide receivers, who's your guy you want to fade the top of the board this week at wide receiver? Uh, look, I, I, 
I'm fading Odell again. Uh, I just, it has nothing to do with the talent. It's just the way, the pace of the game that the way Dallas plays, especially at home, there's just a limited amount of plays. And I, and I don't see a situation where the Giants are going to walk in there and put up like 30 points. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Like I said, bet every game under until I see otherwise. And I think it's still going to be relatively close, but I do see the Giants winning like 20 to 16 or something like that. But um, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of offense in the game, so I'm not going to pay up for a wide receiver. I'm going to pay up where I think that the game is going to be in the 50s and 60s. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily on Tyreek Hill like everyone is. I think, again, if I'm fading Mahomes, I'm fading Hill. And so that would, that would be another guy that I'm just not on. All right. Now, in terms of GPP wide receiver strategy, too, talking about, you know, looking at the big totals. And uh, for instance, here is Antonio Brown. We all love him this week. But what about fading on a guy like Brown and pivoting to a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster? How effective is that strategy? And is there another example besides that one? Is that the best one that we can give this week of uh, a way maybe to differentiate yourself in some of those lineups but still get some of the shares of those big expected totals? Yeah, so if you look, this really comes down to when you're running multiple stacks of the same team. So I wouldn't tell you to fade Ben and Antonio Brown, but I would tell you is if you have multiple stacks of the Steelers, don't just make them all the same, you know, go with a Ben, a Brown, and maybe a Jesse James, go with a Ben, a Brown and a Juju Smith Schuster, maybe go Ben, you know, get exposure to some of the secondary receivers, uh, you know, sometimes that's just the direction that you want to go because they're, they're the ones that are cheaper and they're also the ones that are going to get the, the, the weaker coverage in the secondary typically. So it's just something to keep an eye on is I certainly wouldn't want to fade Brown, but a lot of times that wide receiver too may be a way to differentiate yourself. Um, but, you know, just as far as when you're running multiple lines. All right, we're going to hit a break. When we come back. We got the tight ends and defenses to run through. You're listening to the pre snap right here on the Line Star app. The pre snap podcast is brought to you by Line Star. Transparent projections, simplified research, advanced signals, and top rated apps dominate DFS. Download for free at LineStarApp.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's time for the tight end position. And let me tell you, it's tricky this week. I think it's full of landmines. Uh, last week we were on Gronk. We don't love Gronk as much this week against Jacksonville. Rightfully so, I think. Not that Gronk can't have a good day, but still, uh, we're in a spot here where we're looking at value. Now, last week we hit on Jordan Reed, who was a good value. And again, uh, it looks like he's in play for you and me as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about Gronk? Uh, no, I'm talking about Jordan Reed, actually. Oh, here. sorry, Jordan Reed. Sorry yeah. about that. I well, was... what I'm saying is last week we liked him as even like a Yeah, no, yeah, and Jordan Reed. returned, you know? Yeah, look, we took we took advantage. I'm sorry about that. I was looking at the list. Uh, Jordan Jordan Reed is back in play again. So I'm, I'm certainly, you know, on board again. He didn't have a monster game, but he certainly hit value. And until I see otherwise, I think that the passing game in Washington is going to go through Reed and Chris Thompson. It just doesn't seem like they have a lot of confidence in those other wide receivers. And I get it. Um, none of them are game breakers or proven game breakers or, or just, you know, target monsters. So I think uh, as long as Jordan Reed is healthy, he's certainly a guy that can always go for a hundred and two touchdowns. 
And with the landscape of tight end being the way it is with all the injuries and tough matchups and having to pay down, he's the perfect guy. All right. I want to talk about Kittle to you over in San Francisco, because to me, you know, with all this talk about Pettis and everybody want to be on that Kittle's where I want to go because I hate tight end this week. And I think that in terms of volume, that opportunity is there in terms of role in the offense, in terms of potential touchdown upside, he, he brings you all the things I think you want in a week where tight end is look, when you lose two guys in the middle of the tight end spectrum, like Delaney Walker and Olsen, who are going to be out now for, you know, for the rest of the year, basically uh, to me, I don't know why more people aren't talking about Kittle. It seems like all the hype is around Pettis. And I think that's just, uh, I don't know, kind of not looking deep enough into what the 49ers are. I'm not so sure about that. All uh, right, let's fight about it. Let's do it. Yeah, projected <laughs> ownership is Kittle is number one coming into the week. Really? See, yeah. I feel like nobody's talking about him this week from everything. No, I think people that, watched, people that watched the game tape saw that he, he, he could have had like 150 yards if he didn't drop uh, at least one or two passes. All right. And it, it's very obvious that he was the favorite target for Garoppolo in the game. Now, that also may have been because the Vikings corners are shut down and Goodwin was out and just that's what they were left with. So, but we saw it from Kittle last year. He's a tremendous athlete. And I can certainly, if you go narrative, if you want to take a walk down narrative street, <laughs> think about, I love that. Take a stroll. Um, look, Garoppolo played in new England and saw Brady and Gronk every single week. And you have to think that there's a big part of Garoppolo that says, boy, if I can hitch myself to a tight end, it's going to make me a lot of money. He already got paid, but I mean, in terms of wins and I I think that he has to look at that and say, Hey, I've seen how successful it is. I want to make this guy, my Gronkowski. So that's kind of where I'm at with Kittle. And I agree with the ownership this week. And I know it's chalk, but it's not gross chalk. It doesn't appear like it's – I'm not seeing projection ownership of like 30%. I'm seeing more like in the 10 to 15% range, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, like I said, I, I think that maybe we're just thinking about the people in our sphere being on it, but I'm thinking general public still, just I don't think they get it. I, I think even, you know, just the just the random players especially too, I think within our sphere of – analysts they are certainly on Kittle but I think people are slow on the uptake there and now let's talk about Ebron too Eric Ebron stole a touchdown away last week which made Jack Doyle owners very uh, frustrated to say the least is this a thing with Ebron and him or is this just a week one one off I don't think it's a week one one off and I I have a lot of him and I know it's questionable to be having ownership in a tight end too but my theory was this is he actually played well last year uh, for Detroit and I know he's been a headache and I've hated him, but he's in a very good situation with the right quarterback. And it's looking like Andrew Luck can't throw the ball down the field. And if he cannot throw the ball deep, he's going to have to throw the ball underneath and Ebron will be the guy that gets a lot of these targets. So look, Doyle and Ebron just may eat up a lot of target share for this offense because Andrew Luck, number one, can't throw the ball down the field. And number two, can't take deep drops and sit there and wait for Ty Hilton, the T.Y. Hilton to get open. I think that, um, look, we were down on luck. We said fade him last week. Certainly I'm not going to ignore that. But 
I don't know if you're 100% confident in what you saw. And I he think played better than I expect him to play. I'll give yeah. him that, but I'm not confident yet. I just no, I'm not there. No, I don't think he's the guy that's going to be the – look, he, I know people are saying he's going to throw the ball 50 times or whatever. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen with the way this offense is. And even if he does, the, the yards per attempt are going to be low. He's not going to be a 400-yard passer. At least I, that's not what I'm seeing. I don't, I don't see how he's going to get there. And so Ebron, to me, is going to be a guy, especially in the red zone, he's going to rely on. And, and if you can predict touchdowns for tight ends, that's huge because that's the equivalent of 60 yards receiving. Yep. And with the way the tight ends are, you're going to have to start looking at touchdowns more. All right, let's talk about GPP tight ends, too. Who's on your radar this week in week two? Well, look, Jonu Smith is one of those guys where he's actually projected as a number two ownership and it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being number one because of price and opportunity, but it's still Marcus Mariota at, or Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. So I think I'd probably fade him this week just because I think so many people are going to be on him. Uh, I know I said, I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring this game, but Ian Thomas is very interesting in that he's a very good athlete. And I could see a situation where, Maybe he gets 40 or 50 yards and a touchdown and then becomes a differentiator in tournament lineups. And then as far as fades go, we already talked about Gronk. I hate the matchup. And I'm going to actually fade Kelsey too. I, again, I said I'm fading the Chiefs, and Kelsey would be a part of that. Uh, history shows that the Chiefs have actually played kind of under projections when it comes to the Steelers, and I think the Steelers are going to be pretty ticked off after last week. I think the Chiefs went on the road and got a win. And uh, I can see ben, you know, I can see the Steelers putting up 40. I think it's a bad spot for Mahomes, and I could see Mahomes having a two or three interception game. All right, let's go over to defense. We mentioned earlier in the show how bad Sam Bradford looked. Is that enough for you to get interested in the Rams, or is it even more historic data that points to the Rams being a good pick this week? Yeah, so <clears throat> the thing about it is, you know, the saints last week were a heavy favorite, but the total was high and yeah, the new Orleans was pushing a big piece of that, but I, you know, you certainly want to look at heavy favorites when you're talking about defenses, but you also want to be a little bit leery. If the total is projected to be high, you certainly want the lowest projected total with the highest favorite. And that's where the Rams come into play. Also, it's a division game. The Rams are at home. They're coming off a Monday night and they did play, you know, so there's not a lot of like, there's no reason for me to feel like the Rams are not going to, they're going to be pretty motivated for this game. And when you go back and you look at the history of the Rams defense against this Arizona team, they put up some monster games. They put up 21, 17, 17 out of the last six games. So they've had three monster defensive games against Arizona. The offensive line isn't good. The quarterback play looked horrible. I think it's a very bad spot for Arizona, and I can certainly see the Rams being the Ravens of this week. Now, do the Redskins kind of fit into that um, that notion for you as well in terms of home favorite? Uh, we know the bad offensive line of the Colts. I, I don't love the Redskins defense by any stretch, but is that another defense that might be, you know, because of the holes of the Colts might be on the radar here? Yeah, so we're going to look for defenses that are going to be a little bit under-owned, that provide some salary relief. The Redskins fit a lot of the what I look for as far as criteria uh, home favorite going against a quarterback that could throw a lot. If the team is down and the Colts offensive line, isn't very good. And Washington looked very good last week against Arizona. They put a lot of pressure on Bradford. 
They were in his face the whole entire game. So uh, I don't I don't think the Redskins are going to blow out the Colts. And I think that line move. I don't. I'm not. I'm not in love with it. I think the Colts hang around. But I think there's enough opportunity where luck is just going to have to drop back and throw where there will be interceptions and sack potential uh, for the Redskins. All right. The Chargers are an obvious, probably a high ownership one, too, with Josh Allen getting his first start. Now, dreadful Buffalo looked in week one. 49ers, too. I like that one. That's on your list. Another home team that I think is going to bounce back after a tough week one, but has a good matchup for themselves in week two. Let's get over to the stacks. And besides the information here, you can check out all the great stuff over in the Line Star app. They've got the stacking tool where you can uh, get all that information over there. So make sure you check that out too when you're done listening to the pod. But for now, keep listening to us because we've got some stacks for you. So, Raf, what have you lined up for the listeners this week in terms of stacks that you want to approach? Yeah, so, you know, check, uh, sorry, uh, chalk stack is uh, the Saints with Landry. I think you just made like a new thing, chacks. <laughs> chalk yeah, stacks, it's just so- the chacks, that's it. Bree, look, Breeze, Kamara, Thomas certainly paid off last week in spades. It's going to be heavily owned. You also got the Steelers that are going to be heavily owned as well. But, you know, mix that in with Landry and then also some of the value wide receivers and running backs that we talked about. I think that's where you get enough differentiation. And so you don't have to worry about it so much. Uh, again, we talked about the 49ers. You know, I like Garoppolo with Kittle and then probably Galladay on the other side. I'm just not sure who to stack with Garoppolo at the wide receiver position. Is it Pettis? Is it Garcon? You know, and so instead of just throwing a dart and trying to guess, just play other players and just, you know, go go with where you really feel confident. There's nothing that says you have to have a three-person stack especially if you want to stack the game and you, and you take one of the wide receivers on the other side. I think the Eagles are very interesting this week. Uh, that total is very low. And oftentimes you look at, and, and I'll credit Ryan uh, Humphreys, who we talked about earlier, for kind of making me look at this. Um, I wasn't looking at the Eagles at all this week, but when you start talking about under-owned and value, it's very interesting here in that a Foles, Aguilar, Ertz, stack as far as what you're going to pay and what the ownership is look the bucks secondary clearly got torched by the saints is that your camara Gurley way <laughs> is that the path to camara Gurley? uh you know i have i'll try to build it well but, i'm just i'm probably not yeah, no it's a good it's certainly one of them it's certainly one of them so i think it's more girly because again if i've already got a saint stack i probably don't want to just you know double down on camara but i i think it certainly um lends itself to say Let's look at this and see how, you know, you're going to pay up for Ertz a little bit. Aguilar certainly is cheap. Poles is cheap. But, you know, if, if they're coming off of 10 days, they played a horrible game. If they're going to get back right, Tampa Tampa could come in sky high for this game and just have a massive letdown. Uh, the de- again, the defense is not very good. And Eagles defense is very good. It's I mean, it's certainly it's a very good defense still, even with all the injuries. But I think the Eagles are in a very interesting spot. And I think it's just going to be severely under own. Again, I think you're right. It certainly opens it up for if you wanted to look at Antonio Brown, Gurley, and try to fit those two guys into a lineup like this, that's fine. Because at the end of the day, the overall percentage of the lineup is still going to be pretty low. All right. And of course, you got the Steelers on there, too. We talked about putting Ben with Brown, Ben with Juju. Would you do all three of those guys ever in a GPP or what? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I certainly look, if I'm going to, if it, it, you can, you can do a lot of different combinations with the Steelers. And I would, I would tell you to do it because if you really feel like Ben is going to throw the ball 40 or 50 times, look, they don't, they don't let up when they yeah. get a lead. They Ben he keeps firing. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a situation where James Conner is just going to run the ball down their throw. They just keep throwing and chucking it. And so, you know, if you go Ben Brown, Connor, Ben Brown, Juju, I certainly, I certainly can go with that. I have no problem doing it and, you know, just get exposure to that game. All right. And we're going to fade the Patriots, the Packers and the Chiefs for all reasons we already discussed earlier in the show. So basically We've laid out the path for you to win in week two. We hope you enjoyed everything over here. Make sure you check out all the great stuff on the Line Star app. That'll do it for Michael Rathburn and myself, Joe Pizapia. We'll be here again next week for you for all your DFS needs. And the pre-snap is now over. And now it's time to set down win. Thanks for listening to the pre-snap podcast with Michael Rathburn and Joe Pizapia on the Line Star Podcast Network. Have a question? Need more advice? Join the conversation at linestarapp.com, and we'll see you back here next week. Good luck.